Hello, Captain Bob. Mark here. 36 weeks away from doing the Bob Graham, so a bit of time left. Captain Trim this week by doing the Tring Ridgeway Trail Race. 15k, only 300 metres of ascent, but um, yeah, pretty steep in parts and pretty technical downhills. I was a bit daunted because I hadn't been feeling very well and the weather was absolutely torrential. And worst of all, I did okay last year, so I didn't have my usual rubbish um, previous to beat. But I did pretty well actually, I, I did it in an hour and two minutes, was 30 seconds better than last year and a few places further up in 13th. I did totally wipe out at one point and fall over because I was wearing the wrong shoes, but I held it together pretty well and finished strongly. So adding that to the 94k that I did at the Stampede in September, I'm feeling good to uh, to go into November I think, which is uh, yeah, positive. I feel bleak about running and I was fully anticipating being running by now. You know, a soft tissue injury, an Achilles thing, you normally just rest, it goes away and you start running again. But uh, I had done that, you know, repeatedly uh, over and over and um, and it just kept coming back and I kept coming back and it got worse to the point where now, you know, some months on it's still niggling me every morning when I get up, it's stiff, stiff and sore and yeah, it's pretty rubbish. So I'm clinging on by my fingertips to the hope of doing the Bob Graham in June. We have set a date, June 21st. That weekend we will head back to Keswick and um, Mark and I would like to make an attempt. Beanie, uh, Nick would like to do at least a couple of legs of it. I don't know if it's possible to twist his arm into attempting the whole thing with us, but uh, I just need to actually get running again. The podcast is sort of playing on my mind a little bit. I've got a, a lot of interviews to set up with people who I'm nervous about speaking to, you know, sort of some of them are sort of running heroes or just not necessarily famous people, but just I'm a bit a bit twitchy about speaking to him. The first one is Ricky Gates, the ultra runner from America. So I've got to do a Skype call with with him, obviously because he's not here, so I can't speak to him face to face. So that's a bit nervy. Sorry, that's a bit gloomy. I'll make my breakfast and then I'll feel better. Hi. And welcome to our podcast about the Bob Graham Round. A 66-ish mile run in the Lake District up and over 42 of England's tallest mountains in under 24 hours. Recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, this is an audio account of a year preparing for and attempting the BGR. These are our Bob Graham sounds. All of the muscle tissue that has to work in a third of gravity, we don't want any of it. Because what we want to do is just move bones. And the pubic bone is coming up, which is sending the nose up. Now you have a short back of neck. And now if you internally rotate the wrists, uh, other way, other way, that's it. Internally rotate. So you've got pressure towards the thumb. Now you're dragging the shoulder blades up. Supination foot mechanics, weight on the outside of the heel because bones have moved. Oh, did you feel that cringly? Yes! So, in October 2018, as you heard, Mark is running well, and I'm not. But I'm doing the drills that biomechanics analyst Helen Hall has given me with instructional videos sent via WhatsApp to remind me. But your shoulder girdle is wider. Helen has also become a rock, supporting and encouraging me through the tough patches with messages, Skype calls, and lots of emoji-laden texts. 
Okay, Bob. But it's lovely to hear from you, obviously, but not so good about the Achilles. Out of choice, I never run tarmac, and I'm always cross when I'm at an event, and they put tarmac on the event. There's a schlep along road. There was one recently, and it was like about three miles along roads. It was so, oh my god, you've got to be kidding me. Bob, good morning. You keep popping into my head at odd moments. I'm racing back to help my son with a new left Achilles injury. And whilst I was rushing back, you popped into my head again. (laughs) So I thought, okay, uh, this is the universe telling me that really I should say hello. My progress is slow, but it is progress, just And on the podcast front, it's a delight to be getting yeses. I've asked some great people to be guests with loads of wisdom to share on running, on the Bob Graham round, on endurance sport. There's Running with the Kenyans author, Adaranan Finn, Feet in the Clouds writer, Richard Asquith, ultra cycling world record holder, Dom Irvin. And in just a moment, the really thoughtful and gently inspiring American runner, Ricky Gates who, when he ran with legendary ultra-runner Scott Jurek, became the first pair of Americans in the Bob Graham 24-hour club. But first, an aside to let you know about one of the no's, a guest who sadly turned me down. Now, do you remember yesterday morning, Sarah, I was getting quite excited because the world's best mountain runner was in the Lake District to yes. break a, a decades-old record for something called the Bob Graham Round, yes. which sounds like a drinks order, but is in fact a tour of 42 Lakeland Peaks, about 60 miles of running, climbing about the height of Everest. Well, Killian Journey took an hour off the record. It's now under 13 hours. It's right up my street, this. So I gave him a call yesterday, and for those of you who don't run in the mountains first question was what's it like a lot of very very steep uphills very very steep downhills and it's uh, all the terrains you can imagine like it's on far you run off trail just in the middle of the fields and many times when you go up to the summit it's just like rocks and ridges and some scrambling so during the 60 miles you need to look every time where you put the feet to be sure that you will not break an ankle or that you will not fall what does it mean to you to break a slightly quirky British record? Bob Graham Round, it's, it's part of the history of the fell running and, and actually fell running it's, it's a big part of the history of mountain running because it was here in the Lake District in the 1800s, like people started to do races in the fells. So like I'm really honoured and, and I'm very humbled when you run here in the Bob Graham, you, you feel that you're running on some part of the history of those sports. Wow. That's Killian Journey, nice Imagine guy the shoes well. in the 1800s, yeah. can you imagine? They wouldn't have been as high-tech as they are now. A quick aside to the aside before we discuss Killian Journey, that was Vassos Alexander, then on BBC Radio 2, talking to Sarah Cox. Vassos is a very keen runner and author of two books about running and is also a guest later in this podcast series. OK, right, Killian. Hi, I'm making a podcast about the Bob Graham Round. I would love to record a short conversation with Killian about his amazing run this weekend. Please can you inquire if this is possible? I have some great guests already on the podcast. Ricky Gates, Ricky Lightfoot, Nicky Spinks. It would be fantastic to add Killian to the list. It would just be a five-minute phone call. Thanks, Bob. The voice of Laura is spoken by an actor. Hi, Bob. Nice to meet you. I am Laura from Killian's team. I'm afraid that at this moment it will be hard to get Killian on the phone. 
After the Bob Graham round, he is focused on training for the upcoming challenges and he won't be answering much interviews from now on, I am sorry. However, I was thinking that, even if it's not ideal, one solution could be to use part of the video we've produced and use the audio for the podcast. If this could work, it would be fine from our side. Please let me know if this could be an option. Many thanks in advance, and good luck with the attempt! Laura Font-Sentis, Communications Manager. So, no chat with Killian, but here is that bit of the video. So, we are here uh, to start in, like, some minutes, and... It's nice just waking up and it looks good, like some clouds, so not very hot the first hours and it's going to be a good day. So yesterday it was a, a very hard day, but it was amazing, like uh, I'm honoured to, to be running in the Bob Graham round because it's a big part of the history of fell running and of the sport of running too, and actually being running on the first step of Billy was, was amazing and, and I want to thank you all the Pacers and all the people that was helping me because without all of them it, it wouldn't be possible. It is amazing, you should look at it on YouTube. 19th of June 1982, Billy Bland sets the Bob Graham round record of 13 hours and 53 minutes. 36 years later, June 2018, Killian Journey runs the same thing in 12 hours and 52 minutes. Wow. On the 21st of June 2019, Mark and I will be more than happy if we can just squeak under 24 hours. But first we need some training under our belts and I particularly need some advice and expert guidance. So here's one of Killian's teammates, another Salomon-sponsored US ultra runner, Ricky Gates, to talk about his Bob Graham round. Hello. Hello, Ricky. Yeah, Bob, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I've never done this before to record an interview via Skype, so I'm glad it connected. That's a relief. Absolutely. Right, I'm not really sure how I first heard of you, Ricky. You're a little bit of an enigma on the big websites like Wikipedia or what have you. you. You don't appear. I know that you're a professional athlete. I know that I've heard of you in connection with Scott Jurek, but I'm not sure where I first heard of you. Is it through your photos appearing on websites? Is it through your running exploits? I don't really know, but it's very nice to speak to you long distance. Likewise, it's uh, always fun to to get the good uh, British accent co- coming through on this side of the uh, the, the Skype line. So uh, my pleasure. And you're a professional athlete because you're you're sponsored and you run for a living. Is is that how you think of yourself? Is that what you sort of do with most of your time? I guess that's one way of putting it. Uh, I when answering that question, what do you do for a living? Uh, I just tell people that my life kind of revolves around running. Um, being a professional athlete uh, can carry its own sort of baggage with it, you know, as far as if you're winning races or if you're uh, um, simply, you know, being an ambassador to the sport. And uh, um, so there's a lot of different ways to look at it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I just say that my life more or less revolves around running uh, in terms of being a sponsored athlete through Solomon and guiding people on running trips, uh, mostly through the Rockies, but uh, expanding that as well. And then also uh, doing a bit of writing and photography that's also uh, generally about running or life with running as the medium. Did you always plan to 
uh, go in that direction or have you happened into it? Was there a, a, a kind of sensible career plan to start with and you got sidetracked? How, how did you end up happening upon this lifestyle? Yeah, I don't know if I ever had a sensible career plan, so to speak, uh, but uh, I certainly never anticipated being a uh, uh, doing what I'm doing uh, 20 years ago. Um, so I'm, I'm honored and grateful to, to be able to do it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not entirely self-directed. Uh, it requires the, the help of people believing in me and, and, uh, you know, whether that be paying clients on, on my running trips or my sponsor. So, yeah, it's, uh, I, I suppose I've, I've slowly happened upon this, uh, lifestyle and, and I'm, I'm very happy to, to be able to hold on to it for as long as I can. Yeah, how old are you now? Are you approaching 40? Uh, not many people have said that yet, but yeah, that is, that is the, uh, the case. Uh, 37 years old. I've got a few more years till I'm 40. And living in Oakland, California with my girlfriend. I've been out here for a year, and uh, I was here for three years uh, at a different point. I am um, 42, and uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately recovering from a, a long-term sort of Achilles thing. It just struck me that you sort of describing then that you feel it's not just you, you know, you put a lot of work into it, but it's also the, the, the faith and the, the uh, investment of other people as well that they have in you, and I guess also your your body holding up and you're, you're having good health and good fitness. Have you ever had injuries that have knocked you? I've had a, I've certainly had a couple injuries over the years that have sidelined me. Uh, I think the most I've been sidelined is uh, maybe about six months. I have always been very careful and cautious uh, with my running and my training to not overdo it, and for for many reasons, but mostly just because I, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever had the uh, the work ethic to to really injure myself as a, a lot of my uh, uh, colleagues have. You know, it's. Uh, I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, but uh, as far as not exactly uh, getting severely injured at any point in time, uh, you know, I'll I'll take it as a blessing. And and are you in the best place to run ever? I'm on the south coast of England at the moment, and it's a beautiful day. We're recording this, podcast listeners, in uh, late October. Uh, 2018 and it's uh, beautifully sunny in the UK this morning it's been one of those ideal running days it makes me wish that I wasn't still hobbling around with a dodgy Achilles because it's been uh, cool but sunny and sort of crisp and clear and uh, and I could have run along lovely coastal trails in Dorset not far away or the New Forest and and I do sometimes when I'm running on the south coast of England think you know this yeah i'm sure this is like california you know you should feel really pleased with where with where you live bob you know this is this is great but i mean the mountains that you've got the coastline is it the best place ever to run um you know yeah that's it there's that can be unpacked a lot of different ways uh you know i really love being in oakland california i've got san francisco um, 15 minutes away and, and the full coastline there. I've got some redwoods here, um, the little foothills, which go up, uh, you know, 2,000, 2,500 feet. And then a four hour drive away is, is Yosemite, um, and Lake Tahoe and the, the spine of the Sierra Nevadas. Um, you know, four hours north of us, we have some of the most, uh, incredible coastline in North America. You know, six hours to the south of us, we've got, uh, you know, Death Valley and the Mojave Desert. 
Um, so really there's, there's, uh, so much here that you could, uh, even if you spent an entire lifetime really exploring, you'd have a hard time, uh, getting to everything. I love it. Um, but I'm, I'm a Colorado boy. I'm from uh, the Rocky mountains and, uh, I've always really appreciated those mountains, uh, the most. And, and I think that speaks more towards, uh, familiarity and simply what you one has grown up with and um you know there's no ocean in colorado there's no redwoods uh and i think uh plenty of californians would make an argument that the sierra nevadas are every bit or if not more beautiful than the rockies but uh you know i i grew up with the rockies and i grew up with uh specifically the elk elk mountain range just behind uh, uh my town and and those are the the mountains that i that i really love the most they're they're uh, occupy a large part of my heart. Is it very busy as well? I mean, I'm imagining Oakland and San Francisco are probably just enormous metropolis. Do you find that California has just got a lot of people in it? Yeah, yeah. California does have a lot of people in it. Uh, but with that said, you know, I was out on some trails uh, a week ago and and uh, I probably, over four days, I probably put in maybe 80, 80 miles of, of trail running and I think I came across two or three people the entire time. So, um, yeah, it's uh, just a matter of finding your spots, really. That day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. So I ran to the end of the road. And when I got there, I thought maybe I'd run to the end of town. President Carter, suffering from heat exhaustion, fell into the arms and of when the I got there. I thought, maybe I'd just run across Greenbow County. And I figured since I run this far, maybe I'd just run across the great state of Alabama. And that's what I did. I ran clear across Alabama. For no particular reason, I just kept on going. I ran clear to the ocean. Some of your recent challenges that you've done in the States. So the Trans-America was uh, last year, wasn't it, 2017? And, yeah, um, that's correct. And that's so you run across the whole of the states. So you picked a route that went through 11 states. It took you 152 days, 3,600 miles, and you went unsupported. So is that, why, why did you want to do it, and, um, and how did you find it? Well, it's something that I've wanted to do for uh, quite a while. I read a book when I was 16 or 17 years old called a, a Walk Across America that was written back in the 1960s or 1970s about a young man who walked from New England down to uh, Louisiana and just kind of wrote about the people uh, that he that he met along the way. Um, so that was pretty inspiring. That so I would have read read that uh, over 20 years ago. Uh, I actually tried to go across the country once when I was, uh, I think I was 19 years old and on a bike, not, not running. And, uh, being, uh, 19 years old, I destroyed myself almost immediately. I made it three days into the trip and, and my knee hurt so bad because I was carrying so much weight that I, uh, I thought I had done permanent damage to my knee and, and that wasn't the case at all. I was just, uh, I just went out way too hard. I'm telling you that because it, it's uh, something that's uh, been in my head for quite a while. And, um, you know, I'm at a point in my life right now uh, where 
I, I can still do something like this. Uh, I do believe that you can do it later on in life, but I don't have kids or I don't have a mortgage right now. And I'm still pretty comfortable uh, sleeping on a paper thin mattress and uh, going away with most of most of life's uh, luxury. So it just seemed to work out as far as the timing went in my life. So um, yeah, I planned that for, for last year. It took me, uh, as you said, about five months. And I chose to do it self-supported on under a budget. Uh, I chose to do it for about $5,000, mostly because I, I can't really imagine spending a whole lot more money than that. But the main reason is that I just kind of feel like uh, as uh, a runner in my position that it's important to set parameters for these adventures that we do. If we're to be looked at as ambassadors to the sport, this is one of the more important things uh, to me. And that's uh, to, to do things in a manner that I believe can be emulated by a fairly normal person. So not everybody can take five months off from their jobs and their lives. Not everybody can save up $5,000, but I think that a lot of people can. You know, with the popularity of the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, all of these things, um, I just wanted to provide another alternative out there for people that are looking to do long distances and to do it uh, relatively cheap and self-supported. I guess people are looking for these challenges all the time. Now, like you said, we are inspired by them, by things we, that we read. The Bob Graham, which obviously I'm, I'm interested in doing, the Bob Graham Club, one of its concerns is that too many people will do it. They, you know, they have certain rules about how they, they don't want people to leave markers to make it easier for other people, or they, they don't want loads of media coverage. Do you find that people will copy you so are you fully expecting that you know people kind of copy things that you do and 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 then you feel that responsibility to yeah not not flag up too many things that you think will be harmful for the environment or for the uh, sort of reputation of the the sport well I, I do uh let's see how how can i put this uh i've been very honored a couple people have said that they're doing a run or a walk across the country um, or something smaller, uh, and they said that uh, they were following along my trip and and uh, just really liked the way it seemed, and, and they went for it. And so I was, yeah, I mean, I can't be anything but honored by that. It's not my place to say whether or not there are too many people getting into the fells or doing the Bob Graham round. Um, it's my understanding that it that the path does become a bit more worn every year. And Ricky Lightfoot has uh, has mentioned that, and and some others as well. With that said, I think that you know the the time that we're living in. I don't think that our biggest issues in society right now are coming from too many people going out into the wilderness and having an experience that pushes their mind and their body to the uh, to the to the outermost limits, and so what I'm saying is, is like I I just don't think that there should be any sort of regulation as far as allowing people to go out and and do something like that. I think more people need to be encouraged to do amazing things like this. 
whether it be the Bob Graham round or, you know, take a, a page out of Joss Naylor's book and, and, you know, just start adding on summits. Uh, I know he didn't in, invent that, uh, um, that challenge, but uh, he certainly pushed it to the boundaries. When we look at these challenges, I think it's important to appreciate, you know, that that's a challenge that one person came up with, but that was just uh, part of his imagination. And, and we all have the ability to, to create something just as challenging, just as beautiful. The only thing that it might be lacking is, is the, uh, the cachet of, of uh, people knowing what you're talking about. The, you know, the Bob Graham round has a, a special ring to it for people that know about it. Yes, but it's a good point. I think you're. I think you're right. That you. Yes, there is a lot of other problems in the world to to solve before we solve middle-aged men running up hills in in great numbers. So you did it unsupported, um, and I, I've seen pictures. You sort of had a, a modified a stroller type thing that you could push your kit. Was it was it just you on your own for for those months? How how are you in your own company, and how did you sort of manage? you know, just the sort of morale and that sort of thing. Let's see, I should uh, specify that I did have a backpack for most of my run, a very small kind of 10 liter backpack, which I got most of my stuff in. The baby jogger came about uh, when I got to the desert and realized that I needed not just one liter of water uh, with me at all times, but more like three gallons of water. Um, so I picked that up to, to get myself across our 800 mile wide Great Basin Desert from Utah to California. And then there's no way I can possibly claim that this was, you know, five months of, of solo Ricky time. I had friends come and join me here and there uh, for whether it be a, a, di- a, a couple hours or a, a couple days. Complete strangers. Um, yeah, I, I do quite well with my alone time, but uh, there's there's no way to say that this was... Uh, that, that this was alone. I think the most amount of time that I spent alone like going across the country was probably 36 hours, I would say. Uh, and that was in the, the Ozarks in, in Arkansas, really beautiful, small mountain range, uh, kind of the only little hump that you have in between the Appalachians and the Colorado Rockies. It was really actually quite sociable. You know, there's a uh, the Highway 50 going across uh, Utah, Nevada, they call it the loneliest highway in America. It was anything but that. I think I had, uh, it was right after Western States, so I had uh, quite a few of my running friends that were either racing or crewing or covering the race, going from California back to Colorado. And over the course of uh, a couple weeks, I think I had uh, maybe eight or nine different friends just stop on the highway out in the middle of nowhere and, and see how I was doing and and wow. uh, bring me some chocolate milk and and some fresh fruit. So yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and and did you, so you just literally had the ten liter pack? Did you just keep you know buying new kit when you needed it, refilling the pack and, and going like that, posting some stuff ahead for yourself, or did you have some other person following you to restock you? So my brother uh, who lives in Colorado, he had uh, a box of of supplies, you know, extra t-shirts or shorts or socks, you know, they, that he would mail ahead to me at the, uh, the post offices. It's uh, kind of a luxury that we have here in the States. The U S post offices can receive mail 
general delivery and hold on to it for a couple of weeks. Right. Um, including a baby jogger. Um, so, uh, and, yeah. and that was a different friend of mine. He, uh, saw that I was kind of struggling with, uh, with a pack in the desert and, and he found a $40 baby jogger in Cleveland, Ohio and mailed it to the post office in Hanksville, Utah. And it was waiting for me there when I arrived. Yeah, it was, uh, Certainly not a hundred percent self-supported. Uh, I I would argue that that doesn't actually exist. No. Um, and uh, I was grateful to have uh, you know friends helping me out, my brother helping me out, and then a whole lot of uh, Solomon shoes uh, waiting for me. Um, I think I went through eleven pairs getting across the country. Yeah. So I had a couple of questions there. So one on the on the support thing. So I was I supported a friend this time because I was injured so I, I kind of drove around to the various road crossings on the Bob Graham for my friends Tim and Tano who successfully got round this summer just gone and I don't think any of us had thought before an attempt how much involvement there needs to be from a support team for even just some mates going to try and do a Bob Graham so I guess when, when you're planning the big events like you do and, and other guests that I'm going to speak to on the podcast like Nikki Spinks who does these sort of double Bob Grahams and double Paddy Buckley rounds and, and so on it, it involves quite a lot of organisation of other people but the impression that I've got from watching say Nikki Spinks's YouTube videos of these events is that the sport team really enjoy it they get a kick out of supporting you as well and it creates a sort of community around it so you need someone like you or the Nikki Spinks character, whatever, to be the person that the focus is around. But then it, it does create quite a lot of positivity for the other people involved as well. Yeah, totally. I, I, I can't agree with that more. We oftentimes like to believe that, you know, this running pursuit is a very solo endeavor. You know, there's the, the, the famous book, The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. It's, it's, uh, the sentiment is almost, uh, entirely captured right there just in the title of the book but like i was saying about about my run across the country i i just really don't think that we're doing this entirely for ourselves i think we're doing it for for more than that i'm, I'm doing it for people that can't take five months off i'm doing it for people that uh, don't have the physical ability to to do a humongous effort like this so if, if you kind of think of it like that it uh i don't know it, it feels good to me and it it allows me to to kind of appreciate you know the things that other people are doing that I'm not able to do and no man is an island as they say <laughs> no there's a, gr- a group of us who've prepped and done various weekends away to the lakes to train for the Bob Graham over the last few years and then we got two friends round in an attempt this summer and hopefully all being well another couple of us round uh, next summer and it kind of it creates its own little buzz whatsapp groups not put the race on strava yet as i was slightly ashamed no strava no run as bob marley should have said if his priorities had been right i have drunk a lot every day while on my vacation and eaten large quantities of vegan crisps so my preparation was suboptimal all year round we're then keeping in touch with each other in a way that we wouldn't do if it wasn't for the run once a year yeah i love that I don't, I don't think uh, running needs to be this uh, severe, solo, sort of seeking deep inside of ourselves sort of mission. It can be fun and light and really allow us to get to, to know our uh, fellow human beings quite a lot. You know, if, if a sport isn't uh, 
providing that, then I uh, then I might need a different sport. Um, and what do um, Salomon get out of it? Do you think with with you? Is it, are they as keen on you doing, you know, the crazy little things that you dream up, like like you know running solo across the United States, or do they want you to be entering events uh, to get that sort of you know these podium finishes and their and their photo? Are they, are they happy to send you eleven pairs of shoes to to run across America? How, how does it all work? Do you feel? Um, I would say that it works pretty well, and I think that Solomon also appreciates uh, what's happening. Uh, you know, they're a unique brand, and uh, they have been supporting uh, running athletes for about 15 years now. And and uh, it's just important to have uh, a lot of different aspects to to the sport, you know, because they're out there, whether or not they're being highlighted or not is is a different story and so i don't necessarily fit into the typical sponsored athlete box you know the the standard route is to train and race and and do well in races either be on the podium or at the at the top of the podium course records and and all of those things but uh you know that that spoke to me for quite a while it, it just doesn't speak to me quite as much anymore so it was really a matter of like how am I going to continue doing this sport uh, and how am I going to continue making it interesting for me and that's when I kind of shifted my direction from more of a performance-based athlete to more adventure uh, and philosophical so that's where I am right now and and Solomon uh, supports it immensely and and uh, I hope that it's uh, that it's reaching possibly some different people and, and reaching them in a different way. So, yeah, I would say that it's it's going well uh, and, and I'd love to see uh, a lot more support for things like this uh, from uh, other brands uh, and in, in the future. And here's a clip from a video that Ricky made for Salomon of a visit to the English Lake District. I can't get that high note. <laughs> Half of my life now, I've been traveling around the world looking at different mountains and, and deserts and, and cultures and countries, and I've lost track of, of where I've been and who I've met. Nearly everyone would suggest coming to the UK and, and checking out the fell running scene. Uh, the Lake District is is really kind of the epicenter of of fell running and and has been for for over a over a century. So the, the Bob Graham that you did was it 2013 that you did it with Scott? How did you hear about it and and end up sort of getting from vaguely hearing about this thing that happened in the UK to actually coming over and doing it? Yeah. So yeah, I think it was 2013. Uh, and I so let's see. I I have to rewind a little bit. To, to give the full picture of how I heard about the Bob Graham round. And, and that's from, I, I started coming over to, to Europe, to the Alps, to race in 2000, I want to say seven or 2008. And I met up with a, a guy there. I met him uh, in, in the Alps um, and he'd been racing around the, the Alps for, I don't know, seven, eight years before that. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Martin Cox from the UK and buddies with uh, Billy Burns, who also lives in Switzerland. 
so just kind of uh, meeting a bunch of these uh, British guys in in the Alps, and and so many of them continued to mention this uh, obscure round in the UK, and so it, it was always kind of a, a beautiful picture that they were drawing. Um, you know, in to top it off, you know, you you talk to many Americans or many people outside of the UK, and and we just have a hard time imagining mountains or treacherous mountains in the British Isles. And uh, it's not until you get there and run in them that you actually believe it. Uh, that you know the they might only be three thousand or four thousand feet tall, but uh, they're some of the more deadly mountains in the world. And and the Bob Graham round is is the perfect highlight of that. You know, you hope for a brilliant day out there, but you know, there's there's been some really ugly days out there for a lot of people, and so that's how I heard about it. And so, uh, you know, I had wanted to get over there for for quite some time, and uh, I mentioned it to to Scott Jurek, who's been a, a buddy of mine for for quite a few years, and and. Uh, him being kind of a, a student of the sport as well, also knew about the Bob Graham round and certainly knew about the fell running tradition in, in the UK and uh, kind of liked the uh, the idea of going out there and checking out some of the trails, some of the, the mountains, the running, uh, meeting up with uh, some of the people if we could. And if we were still feeling good at the end of uh, eight, eight or nine days uh, to give the, the Bob Graham round a crack and and so that's what we did. And there's a great article that you've written about it, which you can find on trailrunnermag.com, entitled 12 Minutes to Spare, which sort of gives it away as to how it went. And when when I got in touch with you and asked if you could come on the podcast, you said in your acceptance, which I was very happy about, you said the BGR stands out as one of the most amazing single-day pushes I've ever done. So it's obviously stuck with you. And when you read the article, which is brilliant, it, it, I would definitely recommend anyone listening, uh, you know, find the article and, and read through it because it's well-written and it's very entertaining. Just what you were referring to then a, a moment ago about how, you know, for someone that's grown up in the Rockies, in Colorado, you know, it, it sounds like small fry that the heights of, of our... Uh, mountains in the Lake District, but then to get there and to run on some of that terrain, uh, there's one part where you know Scott is suffering and 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 Ricky's chatting to one of the runners who's with them and says, "I think he'll be fine once we get him onto some runnable terrain." To which the support runner says, "But there is no runnable terrain, so it, it, it's it, it, it's quite a challenge." And and you obviously, I don't know if, how the weather was for you and whether that made it more of a challenge, but uh, you you only just made it in under the 24 hours. It, what was that because you squeezed in loads of other running and you hadn't budgeted enough uh, in the tank to, to get you round or had you underestimated it? How, how do you feel you, it went and how, how would it go better if you if you'd sort of now had the benefit of hindsight? Our number one objective was to get under 24 hours and, and 23 hours and 48 minutes is technically under 24 hours. So um, I would say that we were successful in it. Uh, I, I know that Scott and I can both go faster on it. Certainly, it's not recommended to put in 100 plus miles in the week before leading up to it. Um, it's That's not recommended. It certainly wears you out. Let's see, the, the weather that day, we had an impeccable weather. Actually, the, the gentleman that helped out for a whole lot of the Bob Graham round, uh, Ian, I think his last name is Helmreth. Uh, you might be able to help me out with that. 
I asked him if he had some sunscreen at some at a point out on the uh, the middle of the third leg, and because I was getting quite sunburned, and I could tell Scott was as well. And he looked at me, and he he just said, uh, "I don't I don't think I've ever had sunscreen in my life." <laughs> <laughs> and so that was uh, that was pretty telling. Uh, you know, when you when you have an opportunity to get a sunburn in in uh, the Lake District, I think you take it. I think Scott and I, more than anything, we just wanted to to really experience what it was like being out there for uh, for all of those 65, 68 miles, however many it is. And yeah, we we got the full experience, that's for sure. Well, you set off at, at 10 past three in the morning, I guess, anticipating that you're both you know, very talented runners. So you would be able to finish, uh, I think at one point in the article, you hope to you know get back in time for the pubs closing and a bag of chips. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. You, you also allude in the article to at one point wondering whether you're going to have to dump Scott at some point just to make sure that you do finish yourself under 24 hours because he's suffering a bit more than you. So did, did you really feel it was, it was touch and go or were you always sort of, in control uh i felt like it was in control until kind of the final leg and then uh you know as yeah as we realized it was getting quite close um you know that's that's those are the thoughts that start to uh to to bubble up in your in your mind there was no avoiding it for us there was a lot of suffering at the end there and and i think that's kind of uh kind of the way you'd want it to be you don't want to jog through the whole thing and and uh just be super content uh yeah you want to want to experience uh experience it for what it's worth and and we got the we got our money's worth and how do you um prepare for things you know most of us who like doing endurance sport you know you might go for a long bike ride that might be five or six hours you might do a long run that's three four hours if you do get up to the lakes to recce a leg then you might be on your feet walking and running for you know eight hours or so but um you you can't really prepare for 24 hours so how how do you find physically that you prepare for that sort of uh, length of effort and then how do you how do you find it mentally is it is that the thing that you have to work on as you're doing it to keep yourself sort of in the game and motivated well let's see i i uh i'm having a hard time with the word prepare for it um you know, I, I just kind of see, you know, an effort like that as an exploration of that unknown area, both in your body and in your mind. And so is it so much preparing for it or just appreciating it when it comes along? And I, for me, it's the, the latter of the two. You know, there's, there's something really special about uh, fatigue and sleep deprivation that that really allows you to get to know a lot about yourself and and see the world uh, through a different pair of eyes. I guess it depends on on your goals uh, for something like that. If you want to run uh, your fastest Bob Graham round, um, then uh, yeah, I think it is important to be out uh, on your feet a few times beforehand for eight hours, ten hours, fifteen hours, just to kind of start dabbling in that. Uh, in that area of, of uh, fatigue and uh, sleep deprivation. The next challenge for you is that um, <clears throat> something that I've read about on your website, every single street 
San Francisco, November 1st to December 15th, 2018, so not far away. 40 days and nights, 1,200 plus miles. Is that what it sounds like? What does that sound like? It sounds... Uh, it sounds like you're running like around every hamster. street of San Francisco. That sounds... Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is that going to be fun? Some bits will be glamorous and exciting and near to the <laughs> Golden Gate Bridge, but I imagine some bits will be dangerous and mundane and, and boring. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I guess... Uh, that's kind of exactly what I want to explore. I want to explore kind of our perceptions of cities and, you know, why would you go to that neighborhood? Uh, you know, it's dangerous or there's just nothing to see there. And it was kind of the similar sort of mentality with going across the country. Why would you go to that part of the country? It must be really boring running across Kansas is the common belief. Because to drive across it is, is boring, and to run across it must be even more boring. And what I found is that wasn't the case at all. It was, uh, you know, Kansas had some of the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets. Uh, the birds in Kansas uh, were amazing. Uh, in springtime, it was just a, a beautiful uh, song following me across the entire state. So all of these things, you know, they, it's it's really the experience that's uh, the most important thing and not our uh, preconceptions about those places. So I can talk about it a little bit beforehand, but the reality is, is that, you know, the experience of, of running across the country or the experience of running every single street in San Francisco is where all of these preconceptions kind of begin to dissolve and we get to... Uh, see what a place really is and and uh, what it's all about yeah and are you going to again try and are you expecting to have people with you and are you going to sort of record bits are you staying out or are you going back home each night how's it how are you how are you planning to do it uh so i have a van so i'll be uh kind of basing myself out of the van in the city uh and then i will be going home uh, uh which isn't that far away from san francisco uh every few days or so and then uh, I don't anticipate having a lot of people join me. Uh, I, I do appreciate company, and, and I've got some friends here and there that are hoping to come out and join me for a few miles uh, a day at the most. But really, uh, I, I, I really enjoy doing a lot of these things on my own, and, and I just think that uh, you know my my main objective with a run like this is to is to meet people um, and. It's it's a uh, kind of a funny thing in that uh, it's not easy for us to meet people when we're in a big group of people. You know, it's there's an intimidation factor to that. When you're on your own, as I hope to be, that's when you can, uh, you know, you're essentially putting yourself out there as a more vulnerable person, and and uh, the possibility to to meet total strangers is is heightened as a result. Well, good luck with it. Sounds. Um sounds like another interesting one i'm sure there'll be some yeah some great encounters on the way it's been great to talk to you thank you ever so much for your time if you were to give us as a as a group of averagely fit blokes uh attempting the bob graham a bit of advice uh, from your experience uh what would it be yeah the um i mean i'm excited i'm always excited to hear uh that people are going for it and to hear about their experiences after I don't know that I've got such uh, too much advice for you guys. Uh, I mean, you're over there and you're surrounded by people that uh, that know what they're doing, and and uh, so the the only advice that I can really give is to to just really try to appreciate every moment of it, 
you know, that's easier said than done, especially at hour 20 or 22 and it's the middle of the night and you're cold and it's occurring to you that you don't actually have to do it. <laughs> so uh, I think that's always uh, something good for me to keep in my mind is that, you know, these these efforts uh, that I'm that I'm doing, no one's actually making me do them. Um, you know, nobody's life depends on it. So that always helps me uh, bring me back to where I am and appreciate what I'm doing and, and whether it's going well or not going well. The reality is, is that I'm out there, you're out there doing it. And that's uh, almost a miracle in my opinion. Uh, so to, to appreciate that uh, while you're doing it is, is probably the most important thing. Brilliant. Nice bit of Californian wisdom. I like it via Colorado. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, Ricky. I really appreciate you um, giving us that time and um, have a good day in sunny Oakland. Yeah, thank you so much. And I appreciate talking to you, Bob. I hope your uh, Achilles uh, is quickly on the mend. Well, I and hope I so. Look, and I look forward to hearing how, uh, how the Bob Graham round goes for you next year. Lovely. I'll let you know. Brilliant. Thanks, Ricky. Bye. Okay. Take care. Bye. Well, Ricky Gates is thoroughly lovely, isn't he? I'll speak to him again before the end of the series. Next episode, I have a cup of tea and a chat with an ultra-endurance cyclist, a record holder. It was such a cool record. It was the last big British cycling record that just hadn't been broken, despite lots of people trying. I discover an essential truth, i.e. Helen tells me, about my own cycling. I suppose a big revelation for me is that I've just... I've done so much cycling, I think it was never letting my Achilles recover. Our WhatsApp group is as rich and rewarding as ever. I am now 30 days deep into veganism. I have gone from 13 stone to 12 stone 10. Otherwise I feel no different. Apart from the fact I feel slightly lacking in energy. I did a tough, relatively hilly, 2,000 feet ascent trail half marathon on Sunday and my tank was empty 9 miles in. I almost literally went backwards for the last four miles. Having researched it, the one vitamin I am missing as a veganist is B12 which apparently means you are prone to tiredness. B12 being commonly known as proper food. And Mark offers some uplifting input. Um, I was reading this deep survival um, book by a bloke whose name I can't remember but it's very good. Um, And it's kind of all about why people survive um, disasters and some people don't. And um, it did make me think, actually, that Bob Graham, in a way, is a bit of a sort of disaster that you create yourself. 